This episode of Grade 43 is brought to you by On Trajectory. See where your money is taking you at ontrajectory.com. Do the math. Five kids. Three dogs, two cats, one and a half fish. Do teenagers count? And a lizard. Thirteen guitars. Seventeen years of formal education. Nineteen, but who's counting? Two middle-aged two men. Two middle-aged men. On podcast. Get off my lawn. And a whole bunch of misguided ideas. <laughs> it works out to something like grade 43. 40. Get off my long grade. Hello. Hello. Oh, this is like heaven. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's funny. Oh my God, we're uh, back. How about that for a cold open? We're back. We're back, right? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, like, now this is episode, I'm looking at our notes, seven. But yeah, this is our dress rehearsal for failure. Woo! Woo! Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, episode six was amazing. With that Phil was McKnight. such a good time with Phil. He was such a good, just such a good egg to show up and talk to us and, and mention it to his fans and stuff like that. So He's such a classy guy, yeah. right? He's just like a class act. He never talks trash about anyone. Nope. And has so many thoughtful ideas about things and he's like really sort of a visionary i feel like he's he's like such a uh entrepreneur as well he's always doing stuff like that yeah, was he's amazing got a, he's got a you know see you could tell he's always thinking right yeah he's got right what about this he's what, what if i did this what if i pull on this a little bit yeah 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 so many layers <laughs> yeah so if you joined us because of phil and you're back hey welcome we're we're super happy yes. to have you you we like you because you do not know how bad we are at doing our homework right <laughs> right we've been promising the results of our homework assignment for two episodes now two or three episodes now right it feels like three and uh you know, just like anyone else, when you try to like get an extension on your homework, we just kept promising the teacher that we were going to make it even better. <laughs> That's right. Which is ironic because I don't think we did. No, I, <laughs> like, absolutely we, not. Like we might have not. <laughs> we, we were chatting <laughs> you know? pregame, and I went, "Oh my god, did I?" And I was thinking about, what did, yeah. we, did I actually only do what we originally agreed to right. do?" <laughs> right. Right. You know, like in, in sales, there's a mantra of like under promise, over deliver. Over deliver. Yep. And here we're like over promise, under deliver, I think. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we're still delivering on the original thing just with like yeah. three times as much hype about it. Yeah. Yeah. So what, did, so what did we do? Like three episodes ago, we started doing what we're calling like True Fire Roulette, right? Mm-hmm. True Fire is a streaming educational service that you and I both subscribe to. We talk about it like just consuming streaming media, right? Because it's pretty, like, if you catch it on sale, it's very cost-effective, and it's like having... Oh, my God, yeah. Spotify. It, yeah, or, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Netflix for your artist side. It's, like, cheaper than Netflix, and I use it 10 times more than Netflix. Mm-hmm. I was telling my wife, okay, I get it that making these True Fire videos is way cheaper than making a blockbuster movie, but I still get 10x back from true fires mm-hmm. than i do from a movie i get yeah. like backing tracks and pdfs and whatever right oh yeah i've got um notes which i never really bothered to look at that much when i was going through this one particular lesson and i'm like let me look at the notes 
and went in. I'm like, oh, this is hard in the screen management because I think I was doing it on the computer instead of the iPad. Anyway, doesn't matter. I printed the notes. And so now I've yeah. like, I've got them and I use them no matter what true fire lesson I'm doing. They're kind of uh, broadly relevant. And I hope I didn't violate any copyright laws or anything by doing right. that. <laughs> right. Right. No, I think, I don't think so. Yeah. So, you know, we did our, we, so like, I think I said a second ago, we did our, what we call true fire roulette. I go in and get nerdy with HTML and we randomly found a course and it was Jeff Mackerlane's Blues rock chord fills, right? Yeah, it was like blues rock rhythm fills, right? So yeah. it wasn't um, it wasn't shredding. It wasn't right. uh, it wasn't really riff heavy. Right, um, right, right. And uh, it kind of was a really nice segue to something you and I both were kind of using to reset, which was the Caged Zen or mm-hmm. Zen Caged Course by uh, Eric Haugen, and we'll have links to all this in in the notes there. And Apologize if we got the name pronounced incorrectly or the name of the class is sort of wrong, but we'll have all of that cleared up. But his class was all about playing some chords and then playing the related pentatonic scale in between the chords. So it was sort of chord fills, right? So yeah, like it was, like it a, was, it was a little similar. bit of a downshift, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nice and slow, so it gave you time to like make a thing and have yeah. it evolve or whatever. And so this was like just fortuitous. We got lucky. And I feel like Jeff's thing was totally, like, I don't know about you, but I totally stuck very strictly to pentatonics when I was playing with it. I didn't add any other. Yeah, I think so. I, he mentioned at one point something which was, um, it was like a, an F sharp that was out of place, which would have been, I forget what mode it would have been in or what key or whatever. Mm. And I think I monkeyed with that once, but then I, I backed away because I mm-hmm. did not know what I was doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, let me hit that hard. Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Yeah. Okay. Mm, no, maybe, maybe I'm not. But yeah, I, I quite liked him as an instructor. I could take a lot of classes from him. He had a, he had a good demeanor so and he went through Yeah, just like very chill and just here, I'm going to show you some stuff and good explanations about it. So yeah. Yeah. So what did we do to make to enhance our homework assignment. Yeah, so um, to enhance it, I forget which came first. We said we were going to come up with a tone to go with it, or we were going to write a little musical bit about it, and we batted those ideas around. Mm. And like we had to come up with like a composition thing, which wasn't really the focus of any of our other little audio bits before. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. somehow a shadowy figure yeah. with crazy flowing pants and clothes and ruffled sleeves and, and stuff like that yeah. just kind of stepped forward and just kind of took over the entire assignment. Yeah. Yeah. It was like there was these this clouds and they were purple and it was kind of hazy. That's right. And out walks Jimi Hendrix with his strat and says, try to capture my spirit. <laughs> and uh, we're like, wow, why are we doing, like, huh, right? Like, it was kind of like a, well, okay, right? Like, Yeah, it's, you know, it's not new per se, but there's nothing old about it either in the yeah. sense of, like, that's getting old by now. Yeah, okay, so once, I think you were the one that said, like, let's do Hendrix, and I was like, what? Oh, but this could be interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because... You know, we both use a lot of software for our guitar sounds and such. And like the biggest name in software plugins and stuff is like anything with Jimi Hendrix. It's the most popular. It's not inexpensive. And I think literally every single 
amp and effect modeling platform out there probably has a Jimi Hendrix package. Yeah, there's an in-app purchase for you to get the uh, the double secret Hendrix tone, which maybe I'll talk about a little bit later. Well, and <laughs> I I don't think I don't think any other artist is like on literally every platform like that. Like Amplitube has Joe Satriani. Does Bias have a Joe Satriani package? Hmm. Not that I'm aware of, no. Right. No, but yeah. it's but it is all over you. You know, you fire up your spark, you fire up the bias. Yeah. Um, and mobile and on desktop and uh, on physical amp that you can carry around with you. And yep, there's the man. There's Jimi Hendrix. So Right. Yeah. So we added added that complicating layer. You know, how original of us couple middle aged guys reminiscing right. about Hendrix, but <laughs> we're, um, we're cashing in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh and I think for my my assignment. Um, I, I mentioned this a little bit in the in the pregame. I want to do mine teacher in the form. I want to open mine anyway mm-hmm. in the form of a book report. Right, so, so here's me slowly getting up from my desk and kind of sheepishly walking to the uh, the front of the room and nervously I'm gonna uh, I've got some notes written out here because it only makes sense because this just you know we're grade forty three we're late on our homework now I have to get up in front of the whole damn class and uh, and do this so this is a little piece I wrote called. Excuse me while I revisit everything that I know about Jimi Hendrix. Excellent. Everything that you've heard about Jimi Hendrix was that he was an earth-shaking, genre-bending visionary of electric guitar. And everything that I heard growing up about Jimi Hendrix was put this way. No one played guitar like Jimi Hendrix. He did things no one has ever done. Let's start with being left-handed and playing guitar upside down or with his teeth on fire, coming up with crazy new sounds and wearing crazy clothes. Look at how he performed the national anthem. Per my sixth grade music teacher, who was a badass, how you doing, Mr. B? This was required viewing. It took a couple more years before I got into guitar and, frankly, really into music and girls and the like, before I started hearing all this Hendrix stuff again and actually hearing more of his music. Uh, this time around, it was from peers and siblings. Jimi Hendrix was the greatest. Right. So he was amazing and then he died and he, you know, he flared off after just like four years or, or whatever. But at that time, I was thoroughly ensconced on one side by Judas Priest's twin guitar metal attack, <laughs> which before metal got really metal was quite melodic. Uh, and then on the other side, Jimmy Page's equally flamboyant panted blues riffs. Uh, also, for a little while, maybe bridging those gaps, I may have joined the cult of Ingway Malmsteen just for ah. a, a short period of time. <laughs> uh, another guy with a Stratocaster. So, understandably, uh, I found Purple Haze to be okay, but I wasn't sold, right? It wasn't the best use of a Stratocaster when the Swedish Paganini was doing runs in every mode imaginable at lightning speed on a scalloped fretboard, right? I was like, eh, whatever. When I see the high school uh, cover band, our best cover band play Hey Joe, I think it's a pretty good song, but uh, was it the world's most amazing guitarist? I, I don't know. I just didn't think so. My teenage mind did not think so. And so as a result, I didn't traffic much in Hendrix. I would, I'd watch the uh, same cover band play the Allman Brothers and think that was amazing, but mm, the Hendrix, eh, not so much. So my next run-in with Hendrix was probably via Columbia House, if I had to think about it, right? Wow. You know, like circling a thing and mailing it in, and I got, you know, Axis Bold as Love, and I probably got his entire catalog because, you know, like whatever, 32 CDs for a penny. Uh, we'll put links for the younger ones in the yeah. audience <laughs> wow. so that you can understand what Columbia House was. Right, um, and then the biggest game, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I could, uh, 
never really say that I listened to him specifically or that I felt that his guitar playing was great. You know, and then after that, as we just talked about guitar gear that we like, just started pushing, you know, the man, the myth, and the legend. And then, you know, we're maybe coming around to our embracing our, our full boomer self. And then this just kind of like popped up. Not that I have any, you know, ill thoughts about Hendrix or everything. I just never really got it. So exploring this enabled me to see where I feel like I kind of subconsciously absorbed him as part of the musical culture writ large, right? Because as, as we uh, delved into this and we'll talk about our little compositions and our tones, you know, it, it dawned on me, you know what? There are 70 assholes on YouTube right now who can play as well as Hendrix. Um, but what's important about Hendrix is how he got everyone's attention and how he changed songwriting. Um, I don't think it was about Hendrix, the technician, although he could, only he could do what he did, you know, like it was better than, than um, anyone else before, because he wrote the book on kind of throwing the book out the window, right? So um, and it took me how many grades to figure this out. So um, mm -hmm. it wasn't about the playing. It was about just playing kind of full stop, the idea that you're painting with musical sounds, right? It's the idea of guitar and guitarists and singing while playing guitar, especially playing complex guitar bits that's that, that was kind of new i don't think you have come as you are by nirvana if you don't have hendrix you certainly don't have stevie ray vaughn we never talk about strings maybe we never have a podcast oh my god right if we don't talk about <laughs> so uh and you know stevie was a perfect practitioner of the art of hendrix so um you know just one of those things it's like yeah no it, it should kind of be obvious that you may be able to play like ingwe malmstein or paganini or whoever as a skilled technician but you'll never be good at musical guitar if you can't understand and uh, appreciate the kind of things that hendrix did to the guitar not just setting it on fire right. um so you know it, it annihilated the idea are you playing rhythm or are you playing lead forget that this is just an entirely different new sound that came out of there and i think as a result it just totally changed how songwriting works so for me this was like an interior exercise of going like that's where the hendrix is right i've been soaking in it all along interesting 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 that's fascinating because it it, it sounds like we ended up in similar places. Like uh, when I start talking about it a little bit, it'll be interesting. Yeah. So that, that was, um, that was my approach to, to this um, little piece. I felt like I had to really get into um, the, the song writing or the, the writing stuff. It was, it was less about sounding like Hendrix in the, yeah. uh, in the tonal or um, compositional sense and, and doing some of the, the writing things. So Inter let's hear it. I, I can't yeah. wait to hear it. Um, here we go. That's what I get for taking Phil's advice and trying to adjust my own intonation. I felt a little, little shaky notes there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. What? Um, yeah, no. So the, the thing where I felt like it really, and, the, and this was where I liked that we had a lot of time for this, right? Because it meant um, it wasn't 
hurry up, let me do as many A-B tests because there was like a whole thing like, oh, can I fool Calamar into like, if I get a bias pack, can I fool Calamar with Hendrickson? It wasn't that. It was like, hmm, this idea. And I composed that fairly early on and recorded it and listened to it and go, nope, that tempo's wrong. And it wasn't until I think when I went down to the C and just kind of got lost in the middle of it. And I was like, oh, I'm Hendrixing. I'm, I'm doing that thing where like, yeah, hang on down there, maybe just an extra half beat and put a little trill in there and then just use little pentatonic moves and so forth just to just to do the, the connections like in the in the Jeff um, Macerlane thing. So until I got kind of lost in that murky middle and then figured out, okay, how am I going to get out of here? Like I didn't feel like I was doing the assignment the right way, right? It didn't, I was chiseling away and chiseling away and it didn't, you know, come into relief until until that point. So, so what was, so I, I get that, but, um, was there any additional, and it sounded great, by the way, I like that Thank you. woody, like, I love that kind of tone that has that violin-esque kind of, uh, resonance to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was there any additional research that you did regardless <laughs> of like musical? So now, now yeah. teacher is, teacher is asking me to uh, show the sources. No, like I went, I had the best intentions of just getting under the hood and becoming a Hendrix scholar. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you downloaded Kindle samples. I lined up stuff on my watch list and I was like, yep, I'm, I'm going to plow through this. I'm going to learn this from the biography to the technique and, and, and all of those things. And then I was like, there's a reason why this is taking three weeks to do is because we're busy people and all that. And I was like, nope. And then I was like, I think I just need to double down on opening up my ears and listening a little bit. So every opportunity that I was in the shower, I would blast just Hendrix uh, randomly and songs would pop up and I go, oh yeah, like I know that song, right? And I'd compare it going through the video on True Fire a little bit. Um, so I did something that uh, the... Um, the philosophers would call it, I intuited the essence of Hendrix by just kind of nice. surrounding myself with it and thinking and reducing it down there. And, you know, I mean, obviously there was some playing around with tones and this, yeah. and yeah, maybe I did actually buy that bias pack and maybe I did actually use guitar match on that one to give it that final little sweetness, but all of those tone settings and that were actually mine. So you didn't, did you even use the, the, um, bias, the bias thing, uh, not Effects, for that exercise, or? no. I mean, I did eventually get them and do the little compare contrast and go, yeah, yeah. They, they they worked with his estate and figured out how to sound like Hendrix. They're pretty good sound engineers. Yeah. Um, but I did that. The, the thing that I did like was when I got that pack, it gave you the ability to match like his Monterey Strat. So nice. I went through the, the guitar match set up on that. Really, ma- I mean, I thought it really sounded like a Strat on that. Yeah. Did you use Jeff's backing track or anything from his lessons, or was that your own thing you did? No, that was that was just like my own little thing because I just <laughs> played like the the part over and over again, and I did um, I did start by uh, just laying down a very basic clicky track style drummer, and then yeah. just a, a basic C F C F C F, and then what the oh okay, goes, like, the, then the end goes A minor to G, and I did that yeah. to compose it. But when I did the final take on that, when I was like, nope, that's too slow, I need to I need to wander in the middle a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just totally re-recorded it and then figured out a way to monkey with the, the drummer to make it so that it sounded like we were jumping in to a song. Right, right, right. Well, CNF at least is the same progression as the first mm-hmm. lesson in Jeff's thing. Yeah, so. exactly. Yep. Nice, nice. I lo- oh, uh, just for everybody's sake here, that drummer, which sounded awesome, I'm guessing that's GarageBand. 
Yeah, that's Garage Band Kyle, I think. Kyle, <laughs> right, no, right. I, I All the Kyle. drummers. The one with the the one with the Fu Manchu, I think. <laughs> so he's the SoCal guy or whatever. I don't know. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah, Garage Band has an amazing drummer, and it's so uh, good, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and and yesterday I learned to use the arrangement track feature on it. So what you do is you lay out like. Okay, two bars intro, four bars verse, four bars verse, two, four bars chorus, whatever, outro, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then when you put in the drummer... Oh, you pin it to those things. The drummer pins itself to yeah. those things. I didn't even yep. do it. I just laid the drummer out like 32 bars. And then it just said like, yep. Oh, that's cool. Gonna, I didn't... It was amazing. I was like... This feature is like the best little feature I didn't know was in garage. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know it did it automatically, but yeah, plenty of times I've gone in and I've like split the audio track or split the drummer track, yeah, and then in there it's I got do. for the for the bass and the snare, you can tell it follow yeah, yeah. your tracks. Or so either have it follow the, yeah, whatever, or, right? Or, or, so I have it either follow like the rhythm guitar or the bass. And it's oh, like, I haven't how done does it, that. How does it figure that out? It's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. the best drummer thing out there. Like yeah. I don't know how people use other things where you have to like come up with your own drums because right, i'm not a yeah. drummer no i can't do that um that's so interesting that i think we kind of ended up in the same place but my approach so we talk about this sometimes like our approaches can be very different i don't know mm -hmm. if it's because i'm a software engineer or what but i tend to be kind of ro robotic isn't the right word but <laughs> less artistic about it than you i forget did you like study philosophy like you studied fine arts or something like that in college or what was your no comment <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but like you you are always referencing books and philosophers and mm. other things like that and i feel like that approach comes into your music which is just awesome and i feel like my approach is always more like i'm a studio guitarist and i just need to try to make it sound like whatever the producer is telling me to make it sound like, mm. like so I don't more like tactical. Is that the right word? Do you think maybe or, tactical, yeah. but like in a way, I don't want to say it's less artistic, but it has less philosophy maybe behind it. I don't know. So my approach was like, all right, let me go on YouTube and find out what's out there. And then there's a, you know, a couple of things came up that, of people who I think sound amazing. So I was like, well, let me listen to what they have to say. Like RJ Ronquillo, he has this YouTube channel and he's like, first thing to try string gauge, <laughs> which is amazing. Cause now we're in the strings. So two I times went on, in this episode, folks, I two went times on string we talked about joy strings. and I got Hendrix's gauge, which the high E, okay. The thinnest string is a 10. Okay. The low E are you ready for this? Do you know what it is? Did I tell you? I don't you? I remember. No, you you uh, Instagrammed about this, but I don't I remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, I tweeted it or whatever. It's yeah. a 38. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Right? So, like, the gauge of the strings are almost, like, all the same, if you will. Like, it's just, like, 10 to 38 is, like, barely any uh, uh, difference there. I don't know, compared to what I've gotten before. But I actually really like it. Like, I don't bend the high E string that much. So, 10 little bit thick, but like, okay, manageable. But then it's like a 15, I think, and then like a 20-something. So like all the rest of the strings are super slinky, so it's great. Like I, I actually really like it. I may have to like restring all of my guitars to have the Hendrix. And not because I want to be Hendrix. I'm not trying to do that, but I really like that 
It's the first time I've ever really connected with the string gauge, I feel like. So anyway, did that. Then he had a video about, here's my Hendrix-inspired pedal board. So I just kind of checked out what he had on that pedal board, right? And it's like all this stuff. Like uh, he's got um, like some of the things Hendrix is known for, right? Like a wah mm -hmm. and then a fuzz and then an yeah. octave fuzz and then a univibe type thing, right? The univibe is that like weird Japanese pedal that was supposed to sound like a Leslie, but really is more like a, a harmonic tremolo, if you will. Um, yep. And then the Echoplex delay, right? Which is yeah. pretty well known. So anyway, all that. So what did I do? I have the Amplitude one. I already owned it before. You said you bought the Bias one. I, yeah. I already owned the Hendrix one because I got it on sale for Amplitude. Didn't use it. What did I do? I made my own <laughs> pedal board using my HX Stomp, and then I used my Fender Stratocaster that I have, the Japanese Squire Stratocaster that I have. Here's the thing that I did for the first time, is and that, I really kind of, is that the one that you put the super lights on, like the I put the, the Hendrix strings, strings on. Yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And it has my tone bleed on it. It has my treble bleed on it, and a thing that I decided to finally try because I got this um, preamp from Brazil. This this basically a boost pedal from Brazil, the the from Cachalochi, the console preamp. I put that always on in front of the HX stomp, and what that gave me was really cool, it was like I can turn down the volume and still hear it. So it was really what I've always kind of looked for, which is right. go clean when you turn down the volume, turn it up, and it's like pretty well distorted. So it was, I really dug that. So I is made the, up my own, what's that? I have a question because I saw this in, um, uh, mentioned in uh, the video I was watching. Is the treble bleed a tone control, tone related control or a volume related control? So what it does is it has a capacitor and a resistor, if I'm not mistaken, that you add across the volume, okay. and it's not on the tone control. Okay. And what it does is when you turn down the volume, it actually lets more highs go through, and so that way so when you it lower it, like something. it yeah. kind of sounds like something. You don't get that muddy, dark sound. It makes a, a massive difference, I would say, compared to like my guitars that don't have a tone that don't have a treble bleed. I, I really like it. I'm going to put it on other guitars, but I'm going to put that treble bleed is like a hundred dollars that I put on that strat. It's got 10 different settings and they do all sound kind of different. They're kind of cool. Um, I love it, but I'm not spending a hundred dollars and putting that on my, I'm going to like just spend $10 and do the basic treble bleed on other guitars. So, so it's a, and you, well, sorry. And one more. So, and it's a separate control other than your volume. Is that, yes. is that true? So okay. on the Strat, it's really funky, right? So yes, this is like an extra thing where I replace the other tone knob with this thing and it's got 10 settings and they're all slightly different. More trebly, less trebly. They're sort of hard to describe, and and uh, it's it's made by King Tone, and each one is like the name of an artist. So it's kind of like Albert King, Stevie Ray Vaughan, blah blah blah, all these different people. So it's cool. I like it. I don't know if everybody wants to spend a hundred dollars. That was my guac that I spent on the uh, on the Strat. That was the gear. But then uh, I was gonna go even wilder, right? So I had this epiphany that I could use my guitar potentially i have a an american telly so it's like a relatively expensive guitar a fender uh, telecaster i could use it as equity or as a, a um what's the word i'm looking for uh 
well, I could borrow someone else's guitar and leave that with them, you know? <laughs> so oh, collateral. <laughs> collateral. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I... So I found this guy that he actually wanted to swap them permanently. He has a Jimi Hendrix reissue Strat. And I, and I said, no, no, I don't want to trade with you permanently, but could I borrow it for my podcast? And he said, <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, this is all coming together. That would this be an amazing. amazing tactic if it worked for other stuff. Right. Right. Like, right. But the collateral your, thing, I'm totally doing it again. <laughs> it didn't work out because on the day we were going to do it, everybody's busy. He, uh, there was like a severe rain weather condition here in Virginia. And so neither of us wanted to leave and meet up because it was like a 40 minute drive just to find one another. This is how crazy we are. This person is willing to meet me in a parking lot and drive 40 minutes from their house. And I'm driving 40 <laughs> And you're going to exchange hostages. Exchange right? guitars in a parking lot and so I could record a podcast. We are like all cut from the same cloth and it's amazing. And um, I hope to meet him someday. But yes, I figured out maybe that's something I could do going forward. So anyway, didn't happen. Um, but then what else did I do? So So I had the gear. I figured out, okay, this tone is cool, but... I started to watch Greg Cox's video on True Fire about his heroes, okay? And one oh. of them is Hendrix, okay. okay? So he's like, these are the things I've learned from Hendrix that I think the sound very Hendrix. The Gristle Man loves the Hendrix. Nice. Yeah, the Gristle Man loves the Hendrix, and he can sound just like him, and then it's amazing. And I'm like, oh, wow, those things do, like, I'm like, that's it. So it's like, <laughs> Sure, you can try to have whatever fuzz pedal or thing, but it's more about like what you described. It's like the way Hendrix plays. And mm -hmm. you went further, you're thinking about like compositionally. I was I was more interested I was thinking more about like just sort of his approach to playing something. So I stuck with Jeff's backing track oh. and I said, by God. I need to pretend I'm Hendrix. I'm coming into the studio. You know, the Rolling Stones invited me to play backup <laughs> guitar on this song or whatever. What the hell am I going to do? Like, if I'm Hendrix here doing this, what would I do? So Cool. And so this is the same motif around, like, the, the C and the F. The, yes. I forget what it was. It was baked, loosely that was it. based around you can't always get what you want kind of That's thing. right. Yeah, That's okay. what it was based around. So in an attempt to please the teacher, I added a <laughs> section that, Frankly, I don't think sounds that great. So I have two recordings. One is me with the backing track and sort of like this weird intro section that segues more into the backup guitar thing, the the, the fills. And then I'll play just that guitar because I think it actually sounds pretty cool, that guitar by itself, and I'm pretty happy with what I did there. So oh, I'm going yeah, to play these for you. So the first one is with the backing track and my weird little intro attempting to be like, yeah, this is Hendrix, even though like <laughs> whatever, it's not quite
like that. Yeah. It's so funny you mentioned trill. When you said trill, I'm like, oh, crap, I have a bunch of trills in there, too. Yeah. Um, nice. So I'm just going to play a little bit of just that, that, that guitar thing by itself. Um, just a couple seconds of it. I'll stop it. That's, um, as I was hearing that, and I, I don't know what it is. It's just, it, it's something about this song. I love Little Wing. That's probably yeah, my favorite Hendrix song. That's my favorite But I like Hendrix Stevie's song. version of it better because there's no singing to it or whatever. But like the whole in, in my head, as I was doing this, I'm like, there's got to be a part where it's like, you know, like there's the right. intro to Little Wing. We're like, <laughs> right. a little bit, it. we're, we're going to get going here. We're going to go. And I was reminded of that with like, with your intro. So it's it totally, totally yeah. sounded authentic. Also, as well as the tone, I think the, the tone was spot on with all the fuzziness and a little wavering and the, uh, and the stuff. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Nice. I had the, I had the univibe sound going so in there. So in, in, in both of those, so that was the, the exact same part? Exact Just without same the part. backing track? Yep. Or you yep. re-recorded the part just without the backing same. track? Same. Okay. Same. Cool. Exactly the same. Yeah. I had a lot of fun doing that. That was like I I never played guitar like that. And it was like, huh. This yeah, is cool. It's an interesting challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really is. And I like I, I came to the same conclusion you did, I think. It was kind of like if you really listen to Hendrix, he has a bajillion tones. He doesn't do one thing. So like it doesn't it almost doesn't matter what you <laughs> what your tone is on the guitar. It's more about embodying his style yeah, of playing. Yeah, and, and if, if you think about it too, because how many years ago was that? Stuff that gets ascribed to like his tone and it being amazing. And I get like, you know, that, but that's so circumstantial. I don't want to make it sound insignificant, but yeah. it's, it's it's bound in time based on what was available um, then, you know, like. Right. I, would you pick a dentist who had technology from then or would you pick a dentist that had technology from, yeah. from now? Maybe that's the wrong right. Maybe that's the no, wrong No, no, I mean, I want to watch TV yeah. while I'm at the dentist. Like, I don't yeah, want to. exactly, <laughs> like... right? So, um, you know, but the thing that I liked about, uh, that I think it's important about his tone is like, well, necessity was kind of like the mother of invention. Like, it's that that tone was kind of like crazy and unheard of before. Oh, yeah. But and then he had cool. a guy. Not that that, that he explored like, a lot, right? Yeah, He explored yeah, a yeah. lot, like different fuzz faces because the germanium is different in each one a little bit and whatever. And he had a guy that helped him with stuff, but come on Hendrix today. I want to bet you, I want to bet potentially a hundred percent modeling digital. I think he would be full into that. And I'm sure people are going to be like, what are you talking about? But he was forward thinking all the time. So that's what he would be doing now. He'd be like, yeah, he'd have MIDI. Like four, four Mac pros on stage. Yeah. Right? He would be doing MIDI stuff and like MIDI instruments through his guitar and creating like amazing orchestral sound. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are your finances a little hazy in your brain? Lately, do things not seem the same? Is your wallet acting funny, but you don't know why? Do you know if you're going to be happy or in misery? Whatever it is, it's time that you found OT. On Trajectory, that is. On Trajectory is an easy-to-use, high-fidelity financial planning tool that maps your income, investments, and expenses in a friendly graphical display. 
On Trajectory captures dozens of data points so that you understand how your decisions affect your finances, now, two months from now, or later when your kids start applying to colleges. On Trajectory takes your guesses and turns them into educated, fact-filled, and data-driven scenarios. Built by financial nerds for financial nerds, On Trajectory is for anyone who wants to get a clear picture of their financial future. Answer a few quick questions, and you're off and running and ready to model anything. Taxes, equity, income, debt, you name it. The second you sign up, On Trajectory helps you get started tuning the interface, sending helpful onboarding emails, so that in no time, you're off and running, exploring your data to understand what your financial success can look like. It will blow your mind to get such a clear picture. So find out where your money is taking you now. Go to www.grade43.com OT and sign up for free today to find out if you have enough money to make it through tomorrow or just the end of time. That's www.grade43.com OT. Thank you to On Trajectory for being a sponsor of Grade 43. So, like, why didn't we do more stuff with all the effects that we have with bias and amplitude and all that? Like, you and I both almost ignored it and did our own. Yeah, thing. no, it was interesting. I mean, I felt like that was the real contribution, right? If you want Hendrix, and here's why I can, I can I can vouch for the fact: if you want Hendrix tone, don't take it from us. Take it from right. bias or amplitude or whatever. <laughs> plunk down twenty to fifty or whatever it costs, and you'll have it. And like, it's it's really cool. Like I mentioned, you get the guitar match on the bias, yeah, um, FX two package, That's really cool, which is just neato, right? It's not really needed, but it's good. Um, it, it was kind of cool. But yeah, I just felt like that wasn't a really good good use of the time. Also. And I don't know if the Amplitude is like this, but the bias stuff is like a walled garden, so to speak. So, um, and I get he had custom equipment and stuff that he always used. So it's like, it looks like Hendrix's pedal and it's got Hendrix's pedal settings, but there's no way for you to go, hmm, okay, that's a flange and it's got this control and try to come up with a suitable substitute for it. Oh, So it's kind of like, you can't tell. It, it looks yeah. totally different. You know, his his amp looks like a Marshall, but it says, you know, Jimmy on it or something like that. Yeah. So that, you know, it's not the same imitation Marshall that Bias normally uses. That said, I did, I and I did my tone before I purchased that pack. I did kind of make some assumptions like, well, he probably had a Marshall amp for one of his amps and the, the low, what was he have a low gain Marshall or high gain Marshall? I forget what it was that was supposedly phenomenal. But here, here's the thought that that, um, which we kind of just t- touched on with the whole, um, his tone being circumstantial kind of thing Yeah, is the whole idea of, I got to make it look like what it looked like then is kind of weird. Right? Yeah. So in a right. way, I can totally, I can totally latch on to your HX stomp. Like, nope, this is its own language, and we're describing chorus in this way, and we're describing yep. reverb and milliseconds right. and things like that. Yep, um, super nerdy. If I want to sound like Hendrix, just make me sound like Hendrix. And it's really cool that. Um, hang on, the fucking cat is going nuts. Pockets. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I can hear the cat. I could barely hear the dog. I can hear it. The cat. I'm sorry, folks. The cat is now channeling Adulting. Jimi Hendrix. There've been cats and and, uh, it's Jimmy, and yeah. dogs and oh man. So yeah. Anyway, the, so the whole thing just is wrapped around this idea of like this skeuomorphism. Like I got to make it look like the... whatever the hell your cat's name is. <laughs> Pockets. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, I had to derail that because it was just too funny when you did the old man pockets. <laughs> All right. So the skeuomorphism of of um, yeah, bias. Amplitude yeah. is the same way. So. Continue. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's just kind of interesting that it's this walled garden. You can't see what's actually there. But what I find interesting is like, well, we still have to make it look like that. Like, couldn't I just have a big Jimmy button right, right. that I just mash and it gives me all of those things, right? Yeah. So, and instead of um, making it look that way. So Yeah, Amplitude's the same. I thought it had actual names of things. But so the petals look like the petals. Like the fuzz looks like a fuzz face. And, uh, and mm-hmm. the uh, tape echo looks like an echoplex. But the amps... The names are like American Vintage B, American Vintage D, etc. Mm, but right. they do look like the amps. So it is like a, it looks like a JC45, which is what I believe yeah. you played and, yep. and things like That's that. It. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, Amplitude goes even as far, I don't know if they, maybe had a, they had a better relationship than Bias did with the estate. Because it goes as far as like, here's the tone for this song. The Wind Cried Mary part Mm -hmm. guitar part one it has that already ready to go for you obviously if your guitar is different it's not going to sound the same right like it's just not like you would have to adjust depends on your your pickups and impedance and all that stuff that we don't quite impedance shaker can help us with that yeah um maybe if you stuck an eq in the front you could try to adjust it or like your thing has the um the guitar match, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and the one of the cool things in the in in the uh, the Spark, and I think in the BIA software too. But you know, like this is not to you know rain on anyone's parade. If you love Hendrix, like my cat loves Hendrix, as yeah. you might be able to hear in the background. Clearly, you know, it, you can get up and the song will play, and it will automatically change the tones for you and all that. So it makes it like a seamless experience. Oh, so they they do quite a good job of, uh, wow. of delivering that all the way, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually. You know, one of the things I did, and I actually wasn't totally pleased, is the HX Stomp has a huge ecosystem. So I kind of went online and found free, I didn't go for any of the paid ones, but free Hendrix songs, because it's like one Mm -hmm. song, right? The patch. You can't make one patch that would cover all of Hendrix, I think, with (laughs) the Stomp. There's too many options for things. But they were okay. But they're out there. But uh, it was cool. I think if you want to sound like Hendrix... Um, you got options. You got you got options, but then you got to kind of play his style. I mean, you don't have to like totally shred like him, but you got to like embrace. And you got to have his strings. His thing. You got to have his <laughs> strings. You definitely oh, got to have his strings. Yeah, so many notes. Literally, like I'm sitting here, and you know, we talk about window management while we're here, like recording. I have so many notes on here that, like, yeah. we're just not even going to get to. We're, I think we're not we, going to bore everybody with that. But um, yeah, no, we should probably get to what our next homework assignment. Well, is no, and, before that, we should oh. mention again that we have links to everything oh my in God, the that's right. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so as, as you're listening to stuff, if you're listening to the on trajectory ad, and you want to go ahead and take advantage of that link. It's in your in your podcast notes. Any of the other stuff, we're going to cram full of links. As you're listening, you can check it out. You can go to www.grain43.com. And yes, we have most of the links there. You can check out the episodes. You can check yes. out the backlog. If you're just joining us and you didn't hear our interview with Phil, you can check that out. Yes. So. It's all there. Yep. And it's on Spotify. It's on Apple. It's also, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Some of those are affiliate links, which help pay for things like maybe we'll be able to, you know, what we should put on a Patreon. I already know what we need to do. Patreon. We need to tell people, please join our Patreon. What we will do is buy a professional Zoom account. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we need the money for. That's right. For our professional Zoom account. So we're not having to like... (laughs) Let's get to episode nine first. Let's get to episode nine. But <laughs> it would be really nice, people, if you all want to help us out. Affiliate links and Patreons, and we can then afford a Zoom account so we're not always 
um, getting dumped by Zoom. Oh, Zoom. So yes, so TrueFire, right? So we're going to save that for the near future. I'm going to open up TrueFire. We got a couple minutes still, so we're good. I'm going to use the HTML magic here and start clicking through. Let's see what we got here for... Okay, it says muting. I'm not sure what that is. I guess they got <laughs> lessons for everything. I'm going to click they through that. They heard the that. cats. And uh, yeah, maybe it's for muting cats and dogs. And then... Um, I'm going to pick an instructor here. Boop, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, beep. Boom. Okay. So I don't know who this is. I'm excited to learn about it. This is, uh, and I'm embarrassed that I don't know who it is. So I apologize, but it's Kirk Fletcher's True Heart Blues Rhythm. All right. So he, he probably has blues. a section on muting. I don't know if we're going to do the <laughs> muting, F that, whatever. But we will, you know, oh, here we go. I see. There is Cornell Dupree's Groove, which sounds mm. awesome. We'll probably do something with that. We don't know really what that episode will fully be about, but I don't know. Uh, Cornell Dupree was from New Orleans, so maybe it's going to be about New Orleans funk and blues and stuff or something like that. So that's kind of cool. Definitely Brian a learning cringy. opportunity. That's a stretch. <laughs> it's a stretch goal is what they call that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the meters are in there, so this could be pretty interesting. I I, I like that sound a yep. lot. So yeah, we'll have that coming up probably not next episode because next episode we have a, another really good uh, talk, a really good interview that we had that uh, we just got in the can today. Yeah, really yeah, about. yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to get those interviews in when you can. So you know, it's sort of like on the interviewee's schedule. So we we did that today already, and it was awesome. So we're pretty yep. excited about that for episode eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that'll be episode eight and then right. so Kirk so we'll Fletcher's land the true fire thing or you know right. our, our sweetheart true fire will land yep. it on our we love our true fire true fire maybe episode. they'll sponsor us too maybe um so good deal we should probably get out of here before this thing runs out oh right? look at you you white collar conservative flashing down the street pointing your plastic finger at me huh you're hoping soon my kind will drop and die but i'm gonna wave my freak flag high 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 oh get off my lawn kid <laughs> all right guys see you later well nice talk into the mic like this <laughs> <laughs> no man you ever just get on the internet and just zoom <laughs>